Yes, happy Saturday night, Bills Mafia. You are tuned in to Bills Algae right here on the Built in Buffalo Network. I am one of your co-hosts, DM3. You can find me on Twitter at Dave Myers BIB. Alongside is my best friend, my brother from another mother and father, as he likes to say, Akeem Richens. Akeem, happy Saturday. How you doing, brother? Uh, DM3, I am doing great, man. A Rich, Akeem Richens. If you don't know us by now, please, please get to know us. This is indeed built in Buffalo. DM3, I can't complain. Uh, second week of, of us being back. Uh, I'm glad to be here. We're one step closer towards the season with training camps on the way. Pads is on today. So uh, I'm I'm excited and happy to be here. Yeah, and I apologize. There's no visual for me today. So you guys get the cool little avatar. I'm in the middle of remodeling where I'm staying at. So um, but I couldn't I couldn't not do the show. So we made it work. Um, there's a ton of normal followers already in the chat it's going bananas already lone wolf what's up gary ortiz penny is back the real dan kelly uh built in buffalo family right there kim boomhauer what's going on david highland mike lindsley another bib guy so we have an absolute jam-packed like sardines in a can show um me and akeem have been talking all week there's a lot of stuff that we wanted to touch on um, but we also know that there's a lot of stuff that's already been discussed as far as training camp so we're going to try to keep it fresh with some new topics um, we brought back some of our our segments that we we like to you know give to you guys that were seemed to be pretty popular last time we did them last year. So we brought those back. We'll talk about that. Um, the main topic is going to be um, talking about the Bills' offense and how we think the Bills' offense is going to be with all of the new coaching staff that we have in place. We have new players new schemes, all that kind of stuff. So, um, Akeem, if you're ready, man, let's get let's dig right into some of our segments, and then we can get into the meat and potatoes. So yes, first sir. up, we have... I had to touch up that one. That one was one of the ones that we... Nice. It was just hanging out. So, you know, it's been a year we had the old one. So... Um, if you guys are new to watching the show, um, welcome. If you guys are used to watching it, this is what we do. We grab some some hot news uh, around the NFL, and we kind of talk about it for a couple minutes just to kind of keep things fresh and keep you guys up to date, give you our takes on these topics. First and foremost, we're going to start off with Kyler Murray and his crazy contract that had a clause in it to make sure he had to study film for four hours per week. Um, if you're on social media, I'm sure, especially on TikTok, I've seen a lot of people going off on this topic of him. So, hey, Rich, what, what's your thoughts on asking your franchise quarterback that you just paid a huge contract to to make sure he studies? I think something is incredibly wrong with that picture, right? If you have to uh, put a study clause in your franchise quarterback, uh, contract there's there's something wrong it's clearly something you don't like or you don't trust there has to be some type of trust factor that is lacking between organization and player if you feel you have to put a study clause quote unquote in the main contract and i'm gonna take it a step further if you have to put a study clause in a man's contract he might not be worth 
or you may not really want to pay that $230 million contract, right? There's have to be something wrong with the equation if you have to put a study clause in $230 million, $160 million guaranteed is definitely nothing to sniff at. And uh, the, the backlash that the Cardinals organization got for, for putting the clause in the contract was, I, I, I believe, was a bit too much for them. And they finally took it out. But uh, I think it's obviously some type of a red flag with the relationship between Collar and the organization to put that clause in his contract to begin with. Yeah, I don't. So let me ask you a question. I'll put you on the spot. Where do you rank Kyler Murray out of all 32 quarterbacks? Is he top 10? Off the top of my head, yes. I would put top I would put Kyler Murray in the top 10. Yes. Interesting. Interesting. Yes. yes. I just I I like the I I like the the thought of what Kyler Murray is I think what he's going to be. I don't know if we has he hit his ceiling? Is there what else can he show us? I mean, mm. he had a dynamic rookie season last year some injuries and some other things kind of played a role in, in some stuff, but I'm not sure if I'd put him in the top 10 and I'm not mm-hmm. trying to break some hot, hot takes here or whatever. Mm-hmm. I just, I mm-hmm. think that not yet. I, I think maybe, and I, I don't know, maybe it's just, I just haven't seen enough yet, but all right, we'll, 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 we'll keep it moving. We'll keep it moving. Well, well I'll say this. Hold on. I apologize. I'll say this no, about, ahead, I'll, no. I'll say this about Kyler Murray. He has to prove that, he can at least win down the stretch, right? The uh, last two seasons, weeks one through nine, he's 13 and four. Weeks one through nine, last two seasons. Weeks 10 through 17, he's six and 10. So the club, for whatever reason, they start off hot, but they they dwindle as the season goes along. And I think that's something that has to change with the Cardinals organization and with Kyler Murray leading that organization. Very, very interesting. Very interesting. All right, so next one up, I kind of teased it a second ago. DK Metcalf just got a massive extension from the Seahawks. Um, the guaranteed money. I'm just. I'm glad that. I'm glad we paid Diggs when we did. We gave him a ton of guaranteed money too, um, mm-hmm. but I think these receiver contracts are just going to get astronomical. Where you're almost paying, they're becoming the second highest paid player on the team. Um, where before it was typically quarterback because we know that's the franchise that's the franchise player. So and then mm-hmm. it was typically an edge rusher, a defensive guy, um, because that's the captain of the defense or the most valuable player, I should say, of the defense. But now these receivers, they're, mm-hmm. they're this market's getting crazy. What do you think of DK's contract? And then I'll add an additional question since I did that with Kyler Murray. Where do you put DK Metcalf? Is he a top ten wide receiver in the NFL? Being, uh, we see where these contracts are headed, right? In terms of wide receiver contracts, Diggs got his contract, Tyreek Hill, uh, Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, a plethora of wide receivers got their contract, and uh, and uh, Christian Kirk, right? And 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 these numbers have been crazy. So when I look at DK Metcalf, uh, three years, seventy-two million dollars. That's about if you break it down, twenty-four million dollars per year. Of course, it probably wouldn't be that the way contracts are structured. But right. if you break it down evenly, annually is about twenty-four million dollars a year. Um, I think DK Metcalf is worth every penny, man. When I'm when I'm looking at other players' contracts, these yeah. this guy is he's twenty-four years old. <laughs> He'll be a free agent at twenty-seven years old. 
This guy is 6'4", 230, 240 pounds, runs a 4'3", 40. Since he's entered the league, he's fifth in TDs, 10th in targets. His drop rate is, is lower than guys like Ty Tyreek Hill, Mike Evans, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase at 5.1%. So I think that uh, DK Metcalf signed this contract was, was good for both parties because you keep DK happy. You can continue to keep a number one wide receiver with the Seattle Seahawks. But if things get bad, if things get bad in Seattle, I don't think another team is is going to hesitate to jump on the chance to trade for a DK Metcalf because his contract is is doable for a 24 year old that that has his athletic ability, size and and his talents. Great comment here from Lone Wolf. This is going to be a telltale sign of if he honestly stayed with the Seahawks for the money because look at the, the quarterbacks he's got. He's got Geno Smith and Drew Locke, right? So, you know, we're going we're gonna to find out. I mean, he's going to be the focal point of the offense for sure. Yeah, for so sure. we're going to find out. I mean, I absolutely agree with you. I think that DK Metcalf, I don't want to call him a generational talent, but I think that he's pretty close to it. Um, he's an absolute, you know, freak of nature. The, the speed, the size, the athleticism. Um, and, and I think that wherever, like you said, if he goes somewhere else, he's definitely going to be um, – he's going to be a catch for, for whoever lands if he doesn't stay with Seattle. So keeping with our Around the NFL theme, Michael Thomas set to return to the Saints. Mr. Slant Route is set to return. What's your thoughts on Michael Michael Thomas coming back? Uh the- Let's see what he has. The last time Michael Thomas played, I believe he was 26, 27 years old. I believe he's 29 this season. Coming into this season, he missed of all of 2021, only played about nine games in 2020. Uh, we'll, we'll see where Michael Thomas is, right? We'll see if, uh, if injuries derailed his career or he can continue to the path that he, he once left off into being one of the best receivers uh, that this NFL have seen. And this is the first time in 18 months he's been able to to grace his presence on the field. So we'll see what happens with, with, with Michael Thomas this season. Last time he was healthy, 2019, 149 receptions, 1,725 yards, nine touchdowns. Can, can, he be, can he be 80% of what he was in 2019? We'll see because New Orleans Saints, they're going to need it. They was 32nd in passing last season in the NFL. Yeah, too. I mean, you'd like to see him come back healthy 100% too because there's not a lot of people out there that are talking about Jameis Winston. I'm really interested to see give him the full reins at quarterback there. You know, he had the eye surgery. There was all kinds of the, well, is that really going to help or whatever, the jokes about that. But I, I'm really interested to see because I'd like to see both Jameis Winston and Michael Thomas have a have you know have a nice comeback season, um, mm-hmm. just for football. You know, I mean, it's just it would just mm-hmm. be good for football. Um, mm-hmm. The next one, look at this guy right here, Derek Henry. Look at the arms. That's a running back. Beast. Beast. Are you are you you want to <laughs> go? If you're a linebacker, if you're Tremaine Edmonds, are you running full speed at that, heading into the hole? <laughs> Man, it's just 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 a, a a mammoth of a of a specimen, a mountain of a man at the running back position, physical freak in Derrick Henry. What is he? Six three, uh, two hundred and fifty pounds, and he looks like he's in phenomenal shape. But I will say this: he's gonna he's gonna have to be 
in phenomenal shape this season. Yeah. I don't I don't I'm not sure if the Tennessee Titans are the the same team as equal or better than they was in the past. They lost to AJ Brown. Uh they lost Roger Saffold. Uh, 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 they're going to have to, they're going to lean on trailing Burks, a rookie wide receiver who's good, but he's still a rookie. Uh, 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 Ryan Tannehill is another guy that, uh, he lost the number one wide receiver. How much can you lean on, uh, on Ryan Tannehill as a passer when you don't have as good of, of weapons you did last year, when you're leaning on a guy that's coming from an ACL injury and Robert Woods and trailing Burks. So we'll see what happens with Tennessee, but Derrick Henry is definitely going to have to come in the best shape of his life, uh, especially uh, this season with this team. Yeah, I agree 100%. I mean, and everybody can probably just visualize him just stiff-arming Josh Norman into oblivion. And that's, you know, that's for another that's for another day. But one last one here with this week in the NFL, Julio Jones goes ring-chasing in Tampa. I mean, that, that smells ring-chasing all over it. I mean, I don't, I don't know what else you could call it. I mean – Last year with with Tennessee didn't really work out. I don't think the way that he had liked um, injury plagued, and I think he's getting to the point in his career where he's getting he you know he's on he's on the the farther the further side of thirty, so he's not he's not a young buck anymore. I don't know if he's got the speed anymore. Um, so, what? How do you feel? I mean, it, they're already showing videos of him at camp with Brady, and they're they're doing back shoulder fade passes and all this stuff. What do you what do you think about Julio Jones going to Tampa? Uh, I, I think it's a, it's a move that, that, you know, we, I can't fault him for making, uh, Julio Jones. He's on, you know, he's about 32 years old. Last two seasons, he's played about 19 of 33 possible games. He had a career low last year with 31 receptions, 434 yards and one touchdown. So if, if you have anything left in the tank, why not go ahead and, play with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that have the greatest quarterback of of time of all time in Tom Brady to try to to get anything that you could possibly get out that you have left in in your body and your tank and let's go try to get a Super Bowl while we're at it so I, I I can't fault the move for Julio Jones going to Tampa at this point in his career yeah I I second that I mean I think like a lot of people were talking about that with with Von Miller right like is he going ring chasing did he really choose the money like what's what's the deal um if you guys haven't already smashed the like button please smash the mm-hmm. like button we got a bunch of people watching the show on facebook youtube and twitter mm-hmm. please that way that that gets us more interaction with more fans the more likes and comments we get we get to have a wider audience so that we can you know touch base with more and more fans each show um drop some comments in there drop some questions in there if mm-hmm. you're watching on youtube hit that sub Hit the bell, get notified for when all of our shows go live. We got five mm-hmm. shows during the week. As soon mm-hmm. as the season starts, we're going to have seven shows. So we'll have you fully covered on live content here for sure on the Built in Buffalo network. All right. So we touched on this week in the NFL. So mm-hmm. we got another little segment, and I'm, I, I threw the bells and whistles at this one too called This Week in Buffalo. <laughs> All right, so I saw it in the comments earlier. Um, I believe it was Penny who put this out there, but I already had a graphic made for it. Uh, the Bills signed a depth cornerback in Jordan Miller, um, mm-hmm. kind of a journeyman, nothing too substantial news here. Um, cornerback Trayvon Fuller 
was waived slash left team. There was no more specifics than I could find on the, any of the Buffalo Bills websites or any of the media personnel. So I believe this is just a depth move. Akeem, you got any thoughts on this move at all? What's your thoughts? Ra- rash of injuries with the with the offensive line. You know, it's just it's a, a camp body. Just a, another yeah. body that to come in and fill in. And if he can come and and make some noise and shock some people, great. But uh, no more than a camp body, in my opinion. Gotcha. I agree, hundred percent. All right, so I'm going to skip to the, la- the 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 one I was going to do next. I'm going to do last because I think a lot of people are going to have some good mm-hmm. talking points on it. Um, Sean McDermott reiterated again today. Um, Dawkins has has missed a couple days of practice. McDermott spoke on it a couple days. He's been not very boisterous about what's going on, and I think that's to protect Deion Dawkins' privacy because he's dealing with a personal matter. Um, I do want to bring that up in a minute, um, but first let me ask you, how serious does this concern you that last year we saw when Dawkins missed the start of the season because of COVID, the Bills struggled and started off slow, um, even though the second game of the season, you know, they blew out the Dolphins, but they didn't look great offensively. They they struggled at times, um, and a lot of it was pass protection. Um, mm-hmm. Now with Dion missing – two days of the last two days of camp. And then he's potentially going to miss some more time next week from what McDermott said. Does this concern you? Uh, you know, anytime, anytime where a player, especially a player, a focal point player, any player, but especially a player, a core player misses time. You, you, you definitely have to have some type of concern, especially this year, with the Buffalo Bills, there's some is some new nuances going on with the Bills in terms of offensive line, their scheme, new old line coach, new offensive coordinator. So you want to get the verbiage and the language and the communication down. And the only way you're going to be able to do that is if you're if you're attending and indeed practicing. So from 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 that perspective, it is it is uh, a little concerning. But as long as Deion Dawkins is healthy, uh, and you know. You know, people will say there's a lot of things bigger than football. You know, the us Buffalo Bills as a family, we're 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 a family and we bond and we want to make sure that Deion Dawkins is good outside of football because family or whatever is going on right now, that he has to take that person personal matter, I'm pretty sure is for good reasons. So right now, all we have to do or all we should do is be behind Deion Dawkins and when he comes back. Uh, I think we'll be okay. As long as he's healthy, his health is most important to me. As long as he's healthy, uh, I think the bills will be okay. Yeah. I want to, I want to put a pin in this one, not to sound kind of tacky, but I want to, I want to put a pin. You see what I did there? Put a pin, sound tacky. Um, I, I want to talk about this again when we, when we break down the bills offense, because I do want to touch on the offensive line um, mm-hmm. once we get into that. So we'll bring mm-hmm. that back up here in a little bit. Keep the comments coming, guys. There's a ton coming through on Facebook. There's a ton coming through on YouTube. Um, if you guys want me to throw your comment up there, you can put a super chat in there. Um, that's a hundred percent donation to the brand. It's greatly mm-hmm. appreciated. It, it highlights it. We'll shout it out. We'll de- absolutely digest your comment or your take or your question. Um, so, I think all of Bill's Mafia saw this. If you, whether you were at St. John Fisher or you were on social media like I was, and I nearly shit the bed, um, mm-hmm. I got I got worried because um, we've been very fortunate the last five years between Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. I think between both of them, they've only missed a game apiece 
over the last five years. And I don't think we are to a point right now where we could start the season against the defending Super Bowl champs with Jaquan Johnson or Saran Neal or DeMar Hamlin playing alongside Jordan Poyer. I'm not comfortable with that. I don't think a lot of the fan base or the coaching staff is. So luckily, I shouldn't say luckily, but thankfully, um, Micah Hyde was back out at practice today and he was walking around. There was no limp. There was no brace. There was no crutches. There was no cane. There was, he didn't look like he was in too much discomfort. So hopefully it's just some sort of bruise or something. Akeem, what was your initial reaction when you saw that Hyde went down and they brought the cart out to take him off, but then later found out that he was in the passenger seat of the cart? So what was your take? Um, Zay, move down. Move over, please. I apologize. So my take with, with Micah Hyde, the first thing I thought of was um was fear. You know, you, you you that's the first thing that comes is is fear because you you as a team or as fans, we have these Super Bowl aspirations and one of your key guys goes down, you 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 feel the you fear the worst. You forget that uh a part of being alive is breathing. Right. I forgot that I'm supposed to breathe <laughs> when Michael Hyde got hurt. That's how scared I was. And luckily, uh, it was it was not as serious at it as we initially thought, because when I first saw the tweet, it, it it scares you. It seemed as if Michael Hyde could miss some significant time until some someone elaborated on it. And I, I felt much better later on, but definitely a scare that that we don't want. Uh, us as Buffalo Bills fans, we've been lucky throughout Sean McDermott's tenure that the Bills haven't suffered more injuries in this competitive sport. So uh, I'm just happy that it, it wasn't uh, as serious as we, we initially thought. And Lone Wolf's 100% on it. McDermott said today that he's he's listed as day-to-day. Um, most of the guys that they have, um, Spencer Brown, um, a lot of these other guys that have been missing games, Jameson Crowder, uh, mm-hmm. Kumaro, a lot of these guys are they they're all listed he said as day to day um and then great comment here from Brian from breaking tables if you guys don't watch breaking tables they're on Mondays and Thursdays live right here on the built in Buffalo network devil's advocate if Hyde gets hurt does that expedite Poyer's contract that's a good question what do you think about that mm-hmm. do you think it, do you think one equates to the other or, or still separate with the business aspect of it as to what's going on in the field I think it's still separate to as what what you know as far as what is going on in the field. I think the business aspect is separated from um, um, the play aspect. I don't think I don't think uh, the Bills brass will say, you know what, my hide is hurt. Let's go ahead and give Poirier what he wants. You know, suddenly I don't think so. At least you know, um, yeah. I, I think you know there's still contracts, there's still money involved. You still want to make sure that. Under contract, you would still want to make sure that you're able to pay other guys that may come become free agents as well. Uh, so uh, that's what I think about the situation uh, with with Poyer and Hyde. And then I love this here because Hamlin did have a good day today. Um, you know, I've I've kind of been a champion for Demar Hamlin when he was drafted. I like the fact that they're going to put him and Dane Jackson back together. They played together in Pittsburgh. So I kind of liked the, the camaraderie that they might be able to develop there. So it's going to be interesting to see, um, but it doesn't look too serious with Micah mm-hmm. Hyde. So thankfully, um, mm-hmm. hopefully we'll have him back sometime next week. And the last but not least, everybody's talking about this, so we have to talk about it. Josh Allen and Jordan Phillips got into a fight. This is a little bit more 
of a vague statement. It wasn't really a fight. It was more of a, hey, what are you doing? I'm wearing a red shirt. Don't touch me. Jordan Phillips was like, hey, dude, you just ran a design quarterback run. Our pads are on. I've been waiting for this for all spring and summer. Um, I'll get your take on it, and then and then we'll circle back, and I'll take what. What's your thoughts about take the players aspect out of it, Josh and, and, and Jordan Phillips? Of course, it was heightened because it was Josh Allen, right? Everything is heightened by a thousand percent because it's Josh Allen. Um, mm-hmm. What's your thought on these players? This happens every year at Bills camp. What's mm-hmm. What's your thought when there's a scrum? Um, when they get the pad, it always happens with the first day of pads. Like what's, what's your take? I like it. I like it. It's it, it, it shows that, you know, these players care. It shows that they are passionate. It shows that they, they have some fire that's lit under them. They don't want to get beat uh, by the opposition, even though the opposition right now is indeed your teammate. So uh, I think as long as, you know, as long as this is, is in all in love and war, right? Nobody get hurt. Nobody gets significantly injured. I think that it's it's good for for team chemistry, team building, and team camaraderie. Uh, believe it or not, so uh, I I like every minute of some scuffles and some and some fights. Uh, these players need to to have a, a fire lit under them, especially this year and this Super Bowl or bus year. So uh, uh, no bad bad vibes or thoughts about it at all at all. Yeah, my take is I love it. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we know the two guys that were especially known the two guys that were involved. We know that they're not guys that try to cause problems in the locker room. They're mm-hmm. getting chippy because of the, like you said, the competitive nature and the fact that Jordan Phillips is that guy. He's like that hype man. He's that guy that wants to get everybody riled up and maybe, you know, hey, yeah, it was a design quarterback run, but Jordan Phillips was like, look, dude, if you're going to come at me full speed, I'm not backing down. And, yes, it wasn't – they weren't throwing each other to the ground. There was no punches thrown. People are saying that, you know, somebody could have got injured, and I, and, and I get all that. But Sean McDermott has gone on several press conferences after their skirmishes at camp, and he said he loves it. Um, that's just his – you know, the culture – of do do whatever it takes to create this bond. I mean, me and Akeem, I'm, we, we don't agree on everything, but at the end mm-hmm. of the day, we're brothers and we, we, you know, we put that shit behind us and the, you know, this, this team is built. So it's so strong on the culture and the family and the brotherhood in the locker room. I, I think this is just something that was bound to happen, whether it be Josh and Jordan Phillips or whoever else, it's probably going to happen again. Um, we used to see when they used to go and practice with other teams, you know, everybody remembers when, when Cam Newton was John at Ed Oliver, everybody remembers that. I mean, this stuff happens. These guys are competitive at nature. First time the pads got on and McDermott even said in his press conference today, he's like, I couldn't sleep last night and I'm not even practicing. He's like, I, I can't wait for these guys to get the pads on so we can get the real deal going. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so I thought I, I, I didn't think it was a big deal. It kind of blew up all over social media. Everybody's like, because it was Josh Allen. Now, if it was Jordan Phillips and Devin Singletary or, you know, Jake Kumaro and, and Jordan Phillips, it, it wouldn't have been as big of a deal as it was. But even my wife was on TikTok and earlier today and she's like, Josh Allen got into a fight. I'm like, no, it was it, no, it, wasn't, it was not. A, it was not a fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right. So we're going to move on. Keep the show rolling because uh, we're going to spend a lot of time on the Bills offense. Next yeah. segment. 
this is one you guys um, we've done since the show inception of the show, and this is called Tweet This. All right. These were handpicked by my guy, Akeem. So this is stuff that he absolutely must have been like chomping at the bit to talk about or it was just a slow day on Twitter. Um, now, this is some stuff that I, I think is some good hot topics that we should definitely touch on. Um, so the, the football power index um, and this has been pretty constant since the end of uh, the Super Bowl last this past season. Um, the Bills have the best chance to win the Super Bowl based on football power index. Akeem, you want to break down the football power index a little bit more for some of our fans watching that might not be too familiar with? And I'll leave the graphic up here so they can see exactly what you're talking about. No. So long story short, the football power index is basically stating this is the best time for the Buffalo Bills to win the Super Bowl. This is the year. This is the best chance, the best opportunity for the Buffalo Bills to claim that Lombardi trophy. And I thought that this was good segment, uh, 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 something good to put in the tweet. This segment is because I believe last week we got a comment talking about uh, they wishing that the bills were flying under the radar. Right. This uh, this statistic, this this uh, proves that the Buffalo Bills are not not flying under the radar. They are expected to do big things this NFL season. They are expected to be in the Super Bowl and represent the AFC in the Super Bowl this season. They are one of those teams that it is definitely Super Bowl or bust, and everybody knows about it, right? So I think that uh, pressure is definitely a privilege, and the pressure is definitely definitely with the Buffalo Bills at one Bills drive, and I think we are up for the task. So uh that's how i feel about our first segment and tweet this dm3 yeah and i don't think there's any more of that everybody talks about you know bulletin board material um underdog mentality you know keep buffalo a secret um josh allen is grossly underrated there's no more of that talk it's not power rankings the bills are one or two in every power rankings um if you look at the betting odds in vegas the bills are either number one or number two depending on the week um josh allen um you know, on the NFL Network this morning, Michael Robinson was talking about Josh Allen's the MVP, his his like leader, and it's not even close for MVP. So the Bills are going to have a bullseye. Um, I don't think they had a bullseye last season. I think maybe towards the end of the year, maybe because they were riding such a high with that win streak after you know the game in Arizona, they went into the playoffs just on fire. But I think you know the NFL and the schedule makers they all took note of what this team is built on paper, um, what this team was able to do, not just against the Patriots, but the game against the Chiefs, it was must-see TV. And I think this is something that every single week we're going to have to deal with. Um, People are coming for us, and we're going to get their very best every single game. It's not just going to be, you know, oh, it's the Bills, it's a divisional game. No, it's going to be every team, whether it be a team that, is not very good or it's a team that's really good and the bills are going to have to bring their a game every single week. So, mm-hmm. um, that was great. I was great. I, I was very thankful that you put that in there cause I hadn't seen the power index as, as of this week. So, mm-hmm. um, good looking out. So we got Jordan Poyer. I'm not sure if everybody saw this. Um, the bills actually tweeted this out, a comment from Jordan Poyer. Um, he's, he's excited to be back playing football. As we all know, he didn't come to voluntary, you know, OTAs. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but when he was supposed to be there, he did the right thing. He showed up. Yes, he brought Drew Rosenhaus with him to training camp, which I don't think a lot of people were happy about. But that's his representation. That's his that's his option. So mm-hmm. what's your what's your thoughts on? Because I think that the the Buffalo Bills content creators in the media have kind of beat the the horse to death on the contract extension for Jordan Poyer. And we're all just waiting for that shoe to fall um, and him to get extended. What's, what's your thoughts, you know, quick, like 30 seconds on the Jordan Poyer things before we continue to beat it, beat a dead horse. Uh, You know, Jordan Poyer is, he's, he's a professional, you know, he wants his money. He wants a contract extension deservingly. So he's playing like one of the best safeties, if not the best safety in the NFL. Um, so I, I, we, we, we see why, right? Especially you're here for uh, a short time, not a long time in this NFL. So you got to get your money when, especially when you worth the price of admission, but at the same time, Jordan Poyer understands and realizes that it is a business. Jordan Poyer understands and realizes that the city of Buffalo definitely embraced him. Jordan Poyer understands and realizes that the Buffalo bills are, uh, perennial Super Bowl contenders, so he doesn't want to be out of that equation, or he doesn't want to be uh, uh, looked at in a negative aspect, or be a, a, a distraction in the Buffalo Bills locker room as well. So uh, I think all in all, Jordan Poyer has just proven time in and time out that he is indeed one of the best players in the NFL on the field, and he's indeed a professional off the field. Yeah, I. I have a hard time with the argument about his age. And the reason why I struggle with it is because he was older. He got one year older last year, right? And that was arguably his best season last season. Um, All pro, you know, I mean, he was doing things that no other safeties were doing as far as tackles for loss, as far as sacks, as far as quarterback pressures, Mm -hmm. how he was able to be used in the run game. Um, wasn't giving up anything over the top. The quarterback rating against since he's been here is one of the lowest for safeties in the league. So I see that. And I also understand that there has to be like, there has to be a plan for the future. There has to be some continuity to keep those positions that are extremely important to what the bills defense does what like what's the next plan of progression after Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde because they can't play forever. And mm-hmm. my thing is if we're going to extend him, they need to start putting a plan in place right now, I think for both these guys. What's the plan with Saran Neal? Are you going to keep him as a, a, a cornerback, a big nickel? You're going to keep him as a safety, sometimes play special teams. Jaquan Johnson, what's the plan? He's been on the team. I think this is his fourth season, if I'm not wrong. Contract, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Yes, it is. So he's in a contract here, um, plays a ton of special teams and comes in here and there. Um, you know, you got DeMar Hamlin, who I touched on earlier. Like, what's the plan? There was mm-hmm. nothing taken in the draft, which kind of leads me to think that Bean's trying to work out a deal with Poyer. But mm-hmm. then that pushes what's your draft board look like for next year? Is there a safety high on your board? Because you're going to have to start grooming these guys and get them in you know, Sean McDermott, Leslie Frazier system. And who knows how much longer we're going to be with Leslie Frazier. You know, if they have mm-hmm. another year where they're top three in overall defense, I don't see how Leslie Frazier can be on the staff next year. I really don't. I think he would be due for another head coaching position. So 
I don't know. I, I think I would love to see them extend him. Of course, we all want Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde to play together. They're the best safety duo in the NFL. I just don't know what the cost is, and maybe that's what's holding this up to this point. So, Yep, I like it. I like it. And then great comment from uh, from Lone Wolf. We've seen safeties play at a high level to their mid-30s, 33, 34, 35. Not saying that would be the ideal situation, but these guys are playing at an exceptional rate. And it seems like every year there's no – they're not hitting that cliff, that proverbial veteran, you know, age cliff that some players hit. And now I'm not – hopefully it's not going to happen anytime soon, but that's all I was trying to get to with, like, what's the plan – for the future because these guys can't be here forever. And like Bean's motto is draft, develop, resign. But mm-hmm. at some point you can't resign anymore. So, and mm-hmm. we can't sign them all. So, I mean, I know we had a, a show on our network that was, we can't sign them all. So, mm-hmm. um, all right, let's get into the next one. All right. I think a topic that not just Josh Allen, but all of Bill's mafia wants to stop talking about, stop thinking about Josh Allen talks about when, um, Last season, or the, the Kansas City Chiefs game pops up on his on what on his Twitter feed. He just tries to scroll past and avoid it. And then, yeah, I put it on there. Can we just stop talking about it? Um, Akeem, are you done talking about thirteen seconds? Are you done talking about the greatest game in postseason history? I mean, are you done? Because that's going to be on the NFL Network till the end of time. We're going to have to watch that game until the end of time. So, going forward into two thousand twenty-two, are you past this? Or should this be something that the bill should use as motivation? Uh, I'm I'm past it for this season because uh, obviously football's upon us, right? The 2022 seasons is is upon us. So uh, the closer that I get to this season is is the more I forget about last season. But at the same time, it it does go in in your long term memory bank right especially the more years buffalo bills go without winning a super bowl or hoisting lombardi trophy uh i still remember and it it it, it remind i get reminded about it from time and time about why the right i get reminded from time to time about losing four super bowls i get reminded from time to time about the music city miracle so i'm pretty sure those all those events happened years ago and i still get reminded today so i'm pretty sure years from now i'll get reminded about 13 seconds but that can all disappear with a lombardi trophy right so i'm not thinking about it but it's going to be thought about from time to time yeah great comment from justin is avoiding it doesn't mean it didn't happen but there's only so much you can learn from an experience mm-hmm. i think we're to the point with this bills team as far as roster coaching front office that we don't need any more motivation. Mm -hmm. What more motivation do we need? 2018 Josh's rookie season. He was the guy that nobody wanted. He was the quarterback that nobody wanted. 2019 Tom Brady was still in the division. We got to get Tom. We got to beat Tom. Um, You know, and then we went up to new England towards the end of the season or or did they come to us? And the bills had a chance to take over the lead in the AFC East, and we weren't able to do that. We lost to the Texans. We blew that game. We need that motivation. And then 2020, um, the hail the hail Murray happened. Well, we got to use that as motivation. Then we lost to the Chiefs. 2021 happens, 13 seconds. I think this team just needs to put together um, just 
the the focus should just be we are who we are. We know who we are. We know that we have one of the, if not the most talented rosters, one of the best coaching staffs in the NFL. Let's just go get it. Let's go get it. We attracted Vaughn Miller. Yes, we gave him $120 million, but he wanted to play here because mm-hmm. this team is on the cusp of something great. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think I think for any Bills team, any season should be we need to be the team that brings a Lombardi to Buffalo for the first time ever. That should be the mantra of that locker room at all times. That's mm-hmm. that's just my opinion. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with that 100%. All right, one last tweet this, and then we'll get into the meat and potatoes of the show. Um, if you guys are into fantasy, we got our own BIB Fantasy League. If you see Izzy in the comments, he's trying to get people to complete their sign-up process. So if you guys, if you're watching, can you please do that so that we can get our draft set up? Anyways, um, Josh Allen has basically been the best quarterback in fantasy the last two years. I shouldn't say basically because he has been as far as points per game and things like that. So, Akeem. You're on the board, mm-hmm. round one. Mm-hmm. Are you taking Josh Allen? Definitely, especially in PPR leagues, right? Yeah. Especially in PPR yeah. leagues, I'm 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 jumping on on Josh Allen round one. You know, uh, he's been a fantasy superstar the last two seasons, and that is Isaiah. Isaiah, that is something. Watch it. Back up. Back up. Off. Back up. Yeah. That is something that uh, we can't ignore. He's been a fantasy superstar, and this season, uh, I don't think. He should be looked at uh, any differently. Now, the only cause for concern is if people could think about not selecting around one or the, with the first pick is is Ken Dorsey. The offense, uh, how would the offense look? Is it going to be the same? Is it going to take time to to progress? So uh, that would be the one caveat to not drafting him first. But me and the other smart guy draft Josh Allen round one, pick one, pick two, whatever pick you have. Uh, I'm sorry. You you're taking him in the first round. What? 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 Get out of here! What? 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 <laughs> Come on, man. I'm I've been waiting to use that. I know it's corny. No, no, I like it. I love it. I, I love it. I agree with I agree with you 100. All right, so I'm gonna take some time. I'll scroll through some comments real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, if you guys haven't already, drop comments, questions. Anything that you want us to talk about that's not on the topic that we're on, because um, for the rest of the show, we're going to talk about our main focus of this week's episode is going to be the Bills offense. So if you guys have any comments in there about the offense, any questions, any concerns, whatever you guys want to talk about, if you're watching Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, please drop comments. Um, I'll try to get to as many of them as I can as I'm navigating through the rest of the show. Um, again, smash the like. Um, and oh, yeah, I almost forgot. If you guys haven't already smashed, smashed, smashed the like. Smash, share, subscribe. I bring out all the corny shit when when I've had when I've had a year to think about doing the show with with my brother. So anyways. All right. So we're going to move on. So, Akeem, I think I think you should the question um, to the audience um, in the comment section, the live chat. Um, because this was the, a topic that you were pretty passionate about. This is what you wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. Pose the like question it. about the offense and let me know. I'll let you lead into this this final segment and the, the meat and potatoes of the show. I like it. I like it. Um, Once again, A. Rich, Akeem Richens, uh, DM3, Dave Myers, you're in tune to Bill's Allergy, on, only on the Bills of Buffalo Network. Uh, we appreciate everyone for tuning in today. 
uh, we're we're getting into the part of the show where we want to get into to the theme, right? And the theme was, or well, the theme is, how will the Buffalo Bills offense look in 2022? Now we know Brian Dayball is is now with the New York Giants, but what he did with the Buffalo Bills offense is is nothing short, in my opinion, than amazing. Uh, he he transformed our quarterback, our franchise quarterback, Josh Allen, to, to the best quarterback in the NFL, in my opinion. The Buffalo Bills offense have been one of the best offenses in the NFL the last two years. Uh, 30 points per game a couple of years ago, uh, almost 30 points per game last season, top five, I believe, in scoring. And especially last year in the playoffs, the Buffalo Bills offensively was hitting on all cylinders. The quarterback had the best playoff performance in the history of the NFL. The Buffalo Bills offense scored touchdowns on every possession in the playoff game. So all these things are indeed on Brian move the ball's clock. And that's something that we can't ignore. Now we have another guy in Ken Dorsey who's calling plays. And I have to get right to the question. Everybody in the comment section, uh, I'll even take a couple of seconds and pause so you can get some answers up. I'm going to ask DM3. I want to know DM3's uh, uh, answer as well, as, long, as, as well as everybody in the comment section. How confident are you in Ken Dorsey finishing the job Brian Dable has started? How confident in you? Are, are you in a first-time offensive coordinator in Ken Dorsey? Because I think that the expectations are, are greatly on Ken Dorsey's shoulders. I think Ken Dorsey is, has the most pressure of any coach in, Buff, in the Buffalo Bills organization right now. And I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Uh, we can start in the comment section first. Uh, DM3. If if you want to tag on tag, uh, tag along and give some 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 thoughts on on Ken Dorsey and, and how you feel with 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 him calling plays now, how is your confidence level with Ken Dorsey? Um, uh, go ahead and get started. Yeah, I think you know a couple years ago, Ken Dorsey interviewed for the Bills' offensive coordinator position, and the Bills mm-hmm. went with Brian Brian Dable. Okay. Um, now. He's he was the passing game coordinator, so you know he has the experience. I don't I don't want to say he was calling plays, but we all we all know that Brian Dayball was a pass heavy offensive coordinator, um, and there was you know, a lot of stuff that came out after he left when he was hired by the Giants about how Sean McDermott wanted to be a tough nosed team and he wanted to run the ball more, um, and there was some issues between him and Brian Dayball, and then we'd see you know, parts of the second half where the Bills offense looked completely dynamic and different than it did in the first half. They started slow, stagnant, tried to run the ball, tried to establish that, and it just wasn't working, whether it be scheme, whether it be the players that we had in place on the offensive line, what have you. Um, Mm -hmm. Now with Ken Dorsey, I I think that it's going to be a wait and see. We don't know, um, does he like to run, you know, 13 personnel? The Bills have ran a lot of that in training camp, apparently. Um, Does You know, does he like to run four wides? Does he value tight ends more than Brian Dayball did? Does he want to run the ball more? Um, you know, is it going to be a zone run scheme? You know, all this stuff that we don't know because 
Sean McDermott even came out and said there's going to be a lot of similarities within our offense, but there is also a lot of things that Ken wants to establish that are his own ideas, his own ideals that he wants to, you know, he wants to put a stamp on this offense. Mm. Um, what I am very confident in is Josh Allen. Josh Allen went to bat for Ken Dorsey. We all know when there was, well, who are the Bills going to, you know, is Dorsey going to go follow Dayball to the Giants or is he going to stay here? Can the Bills offer him more money? What's it going to be? And I honestly think that Josh Allen had a huge hand in the Bills retaining Ken Dorsey and promoting him to offensive coordinator. Um, he's got arguably one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, I'm with Akeem. I think that Josh Allen has intangibles that nobody else has, and that makes him the best quarterback in the NFL. Um, he has arguably a top five wide receiver in Stephon Diggs. He has an, an arguably a top 10 tight end now in, in Dawson Knox. Um, you have the emergence of Gabe Davis. Um, all this other stuff we, we're going to talk about more in depth. We're going to break down some players. Um, I just think that the continuity will still be there. I still think there's going to be some bumps in the road. I still think that there may be a chance against L.A. that they come out and they're trying to establish things and force things that just aren't working, and they, they may start out slow, and you may see them try to establish a run game early on. You may see them do some passing things or you know get some players involved differently than Dable did. So it, it all depends on – because, you know, they're not going to show us anything in preseason. You know, they're going to come out and they're going to run vanilla offense. They're going to run vanilla defense, and it's just going to be let's get guys reps and let's get in – Let's, let's stay healthy. I don't know. It's just going to be a wait and see. I hope that having mm -hmm. Joe Brady, um, who was an offensive coordinator, I think was kind of a scapegoat in Carolina last year, um, just mm -hmm. for how Matt Rule um, coached that team last year. It didn't have great quarterback play, didn't have a ton of weapons, not a great offensive line. Um, he's a young mind who can relate to Josh Allen. I think can give him a lot of the things that Ken Dorsey gave him in the quarterback's room. Um, having Case Keenum helps. Having Matt Barkley back, I think, helps. Um, some things in there. So I kind of went off on a tangent. I didn't want to break into too no, much of what we're going to talk about here with the players and stuff. Um, but I think mm -hmm. that there's uh, some sort of, with, with Bill's fans, content creators, media types, what have you, there is the seriousness of the unknown. Um, we are a right. Super Bowl caliber team, but we have a new offensive line coach. We have mm -hmm. not new to the position overall, but back with the Bills, you know, mm -hmm. new as he wasn't here last year. We have a new quarterbacks coach, a new offensive coordinator. So there should be a little bit of an, a, some concern there. You know, I'm, I'm concerned a little bit. I guess that's mm -hmm. the best way to put it. And I'll, I'll start hitting through some of these comments. Um, Pokemon yep. Professor who was here last week. I appreciate you watching again this week, man. Um, how quick are we going to get through the growing pains from the new guys? I think that that I'm not sure if you're speaking directly to the coaches or the players, but Akeem, I'll let you take that one. Uh, how quick, how quick are we going to get through the growing pains this year from the new guys? I, I, I think, I think it's going to take some time. I think it's going to, I think it's definitely going to take some time, but I think it would, the adjustment period is not going to be as steep. 
right? I understand we got a new offensive coordinator, uh, new guy calling plays. The language is going to be a, a little different. The verbiage is going to be a little different. Uh, but the guy still understands what what he has, right? This is not like he's coming from the New Orleans Saints over to the Buffalo Bills, right? He knows what he has in Josh Allen, his strengths and weaknesses. He knows Stephon Diggs. He knows Devin Singletary. He knows uh, guys on the offensive line. He knows their tendencies and strengths their, and, and, and their weaknesses. So I do think it's, it's, a, it's a curve, a learning curve, but at the same time, I don't think it's as steep because he does know the team rather well being with them for the past three years. Uh, great comment from Spin. I'm just – he's talking about the Bills running 13 personnel. I just – from what – that's a great point about Dable didn't have the bodies to do that last year. Um, that's absolutely 100% spot on. Well, um, well, I would say this. I'll say this, right? Dable didn't have the bodies, but Dable was with the Buffalo Bills three off seasons, right? How, how, how much do we know he was clamoring for another tight end with Knox? How do we know Ken Dorsey – this wasn't part of Ken Dorsey's play coming into the offseason. How we know Ken Dorsey didn't say, you know what, I need another tight end in my offense. I need another tight end too that can come and make an impact with this offense because that's 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 the difference between my offense and a Brian Dable's offense. I'm not sure if Brian Dable was was pounding the table for a tight end too. I think Ken Dorsey was. So uh great question, nevertheless. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great that's a great conversation too. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so I got everybody's comments in there. Guys, keep the comments coming too. Like they're they're coming through pretty smooth on Facebook and on YouTube. Um, let's let's get into players. Akeem, we threw mm-hmm. we threw eight players out there, and then the one guy who's kind of the general. Um, he's the commander of the ship. So um, mm-hmm. we're gonna throw up some players. I want everybody in the comment section. I want you guys to put your opinions. Maybe your thoughts on how, how you anticipate this player performing. What's your expectations? Um, you know, things like that, just so that we can get some more takes on this as we're as we're going through um, everything. Um, first guy up is Khalil Shakir, um, and I'll let I'll let you go on this first, Akeem, and then we can kind of start off. Each one will kind of go back and forth. Um, what's your What's your expectations? What's your thought process on Khalil Shakir overall? Having him on the added to the roster. Uh, Khalil Shakir, uh, Shakir. Uh, I think he's a versatile player. I think I think Khalil's a, a very versatile player. When he was initially drafted, I, I I looked at him as more of a of a future piece than a present. More of a future piece that is capable of making uh, an immediate impact if necessary. And I say that because we've seen what happened with, we see what's going on with, with Jamison Crowder the last couple of days. I believe he missed the last three practices. So if things like that is going to happen, uh, I think uh, Shakir is definitely talented enough to step up and make an impact right away for the Buffalo Bills offense. Um, uh, we're talking about a guy, I believe he had a 92 PFF grade in college. He had the highest grade of all wide receivers coming out of college. And we know that this was a great wide receiver draft class this season with Drake London and and, and Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and Traylon Burks. 
Uh, Khalil Shakir was the highest graded wide receiver in college football mm -hmm. out of all those guys. So uh, I, I think that's a tremendous feat as well. Uh, we're talking about a, a guy that can play inside or outside. I believe in college he played 61% of his snaps in the slot, but he's definitely capable of playing outside. Uh, and he can line up in the backfield as well. He's a receiver that runs the ball like a like a running back. He was ninth in college football in yak in yak last season. So we're talking about a guy that has some explosiveness with the ball in his hands and very versatile that can play multiple positions. And I think that is something the Buffalo Bills offensive staff want. They want versatility up and down the offense. And Khalil Shakur presents that. Uh, with his style of play. So I think overall, Shakir is a guy that that's going to have some packages of plays for him that can make an impact. But if guys stay healthy, he's going to be looked at more as a future piece for the Buffalo Bills. I, you know, I was, I was thinking that he might give McKenzie some competition for some, some slot reps um, until I've, watched what McKenzie's done the past couple of days in camp. He's absolutely destroying camp and mm -hmm. it's a great story because I think he absolutely deserves a shot at being a number three wide receiver. I absolutely think that he has taken his lumps. You know, the bills got him from the Broncos. He was released by the Broncos. The bills picked him up. He had mm -hmm. his issues with his fumbling, but last year mm -hmm. when the bills asked him, to do what they needed him to do. He did it. He, he, he absolutely balled out against the Patriots. So I think I can see them absolutely taking away the return um, game from McKenzie, which leads me to Shakir because he can do that as well. Um, yes, but you're, but you're right. I, I can see them trying to use Shakir. He's not as big as a Cordell Patterson. I'm not comparing the two, but he can do some stuff that he did in college where he can take some carries out of the backfield. If you guys don't, you know, if you guys don't know, um, a lot of what Cordell Patterson did, he did on teams that didn't have great running, great running backs or great systems in place. And he was that dynamic player. Now, again, I'm not comparing the two, um, but maybe we have a lull in our run game and it needs a spark. That's not a jet sweep from Isaiah McKenzie. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm also concerned that he might get the, the rookie treatment where he's got to earn snaps because what you said earlier, we talked about Jamison Crowder in missing days. And McDermott was quick to say the best ability is availability and what players do with that availability and make plays when they need to step up and make plays. And he mm -hmm. was directly equating Crowder missing time and Shakir making plays because Shakir's been making plays mm -hmm. in camp. So, mm -hmm. um, and it was also nice to see, um, apparently there was some miscommunication. McKenzie come over and kind of pull him aside. And Josh has done that a couple times too. So I just think that that was, that was kind of cool. Um, we got a lot of fans of Shakir in, in the comment section and mm -hmm. spin mm -hmm. wants to talk spin and Richard rush. We're talking about, remember we had Jacob Hollister in camp last year. Josh's mm -hmm. Wyoming mm -hmm. teammate. Um, I just think that Jacob Hollister is not OJ Howard. That's just me. I, athletically, I just think that, that OJ Howard's a better, better fit if you're going to run a two tight end personnel, whether it be 13 or whatever. I just think that that would be something. And I think that OJ Howard was just buried on 
the target percent that he was going to get with all the receivers and everything they had in Tampa. So I think it would be a nice fit. Now, I'm a, I heard, think uh, I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna let you continue. I think no, if if Ken Dorsey was the offensive coordinator last year, I think Jacob Hollister makes the team. Ooh, I like it. You know, so it, very, very interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. Go ahead. It's just funny that we didn't run any 13 personnel in training camp last year. Like, I don't remember any reports of running 13 personnel in training camp last year. And there was a ton of reports that the Bills are running a lot of 13 personnel to mm-hmm. where a point where some of the players were getting upset because they weren't getting reps. Wide receivers and stuff weren't getting reps. So I don't right. I, That's just what I've read. Now, read into that too much. Maybe the Bills are also doing what they do in, in preseason. They're just not showing anything. And they're doing stuff when the media is not there. I don't know. That could be. But I don't know. We'll see. All right. We're going to dig into the running backs. First up, Motor Singletary. Um, hey, Rich, give me your take on, on Devin Singletary. I want everybody in the comments section, give me your true, honest-to-God opinion of Devin Singletary, whether it be what you expect from him this year, whether he's going to be on the roster next year, just overall analysis of Devin Singletary. Hey, Rich. Um, I'm interested to know to see what the offensive line how, how they're going to perform. What kind of scheme is it is, is is the offensive line going to be doing? Is it going to be a man scheme or a zone gap blocking scheme? I think that's going to be uh, uh, something interesting to watch a, a, among the offensive linemen. Um, in terms of Devin Singletary, Devin Singletary uh, continue. He's going to continue to do what he's been doing uh, ever since he's come to the Buffalo Bills. He's going to be efficient with. The, the chances that he gets. I believe Devin Singletary is a guy that I believe Devin Singletary is a guy that has improved, especially last season when the season carried along, when the season progressed, I think Devin Singletary got better. I think he improved. And I believe the offensive staff of the Bills noticed that and leaned on him uh, a little bit more last season. And I think that will continue this season. I think this year, Devin Singletary will be looked at more as a as an all-around back. I know we got James Cook uh, uh, from Georgia, and he's supposed to be this receiving threat out the backfield and add that next dimension, and he's a very explosive player. But I believe Devin Singletary is also a player that's going to get some targets out the backfield as a receiver. So uh, overall, I think Devin Singletary is going to be looked at as an all-purpose back for the Buffalo Bills in Ken Dorsey's offense. Uh, I I honestly think that Devin Singletary kind of gets a raw deal, um, mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll and I'll elaborate. Um, inconsistent play calling and trying to establish a run game, inconsistent blocking schemes or lack thereof in the run game. Um, mm-hmm. Devin Singletary absolutely takes advantage of every opportunity he gets. If mm-hmm. you look at his average yards per touch, it's actually really it's top ten. Over the course of the time he's been a Buffalo Bill, he makes he makes do with with the the chances that he gets. It's just that he's not getting he he's not been given a routine, whether it be setting him up on first and second down, whether it be hey you're going to be in the game the second half or up by twenty one points because we all know the Bills were still chucking it all over the yard in the fourth quarter of games they were winning by by, by three three and four scores. Mm-hmm. So down the stretch, I think the Bills found a happy balance of how to use motor, give him a couple carries, get him involved in the screen game, give him a couple mm-hmm. wheel routes or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you're you're absolutely 
dead on you're 100% when this might be the year that they figure out the perfect scheme to get him involved in just touches. Mm-hmm. I, I don't care who runs the ball. I don't care if it's Cook, if it's if it's Duke, if it's Moss, if it's Singletary. As long as it's producing positive yards and mm-hmm. it's helping the offense stay on the field, I, mm-hmm. I don't care who it is. But back to Singletary, I, I feel like since he's been here, he was – T- touches were taken away by Frank Gore. Touches mm-hmm. were taken away last year by Zach Moss. Uh, mm-hmm. The last two years by Zach Moss. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just don't think that Brian Dable knew how to utilize him to his full potential. I just don't feel like, because we talk about how we had TJ Yeldon, Brian Dable never used him. He was always game day inactive. We had Matt Breida, always game day inactive. Like they didn't, they didn't use him right. But then when they brought Matt Breida in, he sparked the offense. It was just, I think you get the same thing with Singletary. I think he can be valuable in the passing game. I just think that he's just not getting enough targets. And I absolutely think he can be a really good first and second down back. And James Cook can be that third down back that the team needs. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not sold on Zach Moss. I'm not sold on Duke Johnson. Like I'm just those two guys. I feel like can be the one two punch. So I'll get your guys takes on my take. um, Mm -hmm. And then we can move on. Um, We'll move on to James Cook here in a second. Let me, let me dig through these. Through these comments because they're starting to fly through here. Uh, Richard Russ says, I think Motor Moss and Cook will have good games with Cromer coaching the O line. That's a really good point about Cromer. Um, and we can touch back, we could touch base on the offensive line here too. Um, if you want, if you want to, we can do it now because we're, we're talking running back, so it's going to tie into everything so, we're talking about. So I, I'm interested. The reason why I think that comment is interesting was that Richard Rush, yeah, I'll put it back up. I, yeah, I, the reason why I think this comment is interesting because he, he, Richard listed three running backs here. Are all three of these running backs going to be active on game day? Is that is is that going to be a difference between a, a, a Brian Dable led offense and a Ken Dorsey led offense? Is it going to be three running backs on game day and five receivers? Is it going to be six receivers and two backs? Is it going to be the same? Is it going to be the same as it was in years past? So I think that's going to be. That's something else I think is interesting. How much tight ends are the Bills keeping? How much receivers are the Bills keeping? How much running backs are the Bills keeping? Uh, uh, that will that will give us a, a better understanding of a, of a Ken Dorsey led offense. Great comment from from Lone Wolf, and I think we all know that he's not a burner. He's not going to take one to the house from anywhere on the field. And I always go back to that game against Denver when he had that fifty five yard touchdown run, and he was gassed at the end. He was zigzagging to try to avoid avoid defenders um but what singletary does in space cannot be ignored mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. makes people miss mm-hmm. and that cannot be ignored and that can be utilized in more ways than just turning around and handing the ball off to him he can be utilized in other avenues and like you said akeem it's going to be very interesting to see what ken dorsey values from the running back position is it mm-hmm. going to be 20 to 25 to 30 carries a game or is it going to be you know, are we going to be pass heavy? Are we going to be two tight end sets? Are we going to be – there's so much that I think is a knock against Devin Singletary because there hasn't been a really fair assessment of his play because he's not been given consistent opportunity to prove himself. But when 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 the Bills ask him to do something, he does it and does it well. Look at his yards per touch. And he's been like that since his rookie season. So – all right, let's get it. Where, since we we're, we're on the running backs, we might as well bring up James Cook. Um, Akeem, how do you feel about the Bills taking a taking a flyer on 
an arguably the best the best running back depending on who you're talking to in in this past year's NFL draft. Um I I like it. I like the move a lot, man. Uh he he's not the traditional running back, right? He's not the Derrick Henry type running back. He's not the Nick Chubb type running back, but that's okay. What he does is is he he's a guy that can do multiple things well. He adds many dimensions. He reminds me of an uh, of an Alvin Kamara, right? He um, he reminds me of an Austin Eckler from from the Chargers. I think uh, the role for James Cook now is is he could be that 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 package player, that sub package player that comes in on third down, that that third down running back, and I think he can add a great dimension as a receiver out the backfield. I think he is already in his rookie season one of the better running backs that can play receiver in this NFL. And uh, that added dimension, I think, is something that the Buffalo Bills have been lacking in years past. I think the Buffalo Bills have a great offense, but they didn't have to, uh, the opposition didn't have to worry about uh, the running back catching the ball and taking it to the house. The opposition didn't have to worry about uh, uh, a running back being explosive in the Buffalo Bills backfield. And that's a dimension that the Buffalo Bills offense added this year with the addition of a James Cook. So I'm excited to see what he does in the Buffalo Bills backfield. And I think he's going to make an immediate impact for this offense. I absolutely agree too. And and this leads back to your, you know, what we were talking about with OJ Howard is how much of the bills taking, this is the highest that Brandon beans drafted a running back since he's been here Mm -hmm. second round. Right. So Mm -hmm. how, and they, they went up and got him too. So how much, I mean, there was a ton of moving between the first and second round. So, um, how how much of that was based off of sitting down with Ken Dorsey and Sean McDermott and saying, "Hey, what kind of an offense are we going to be? Do we do I need to get you another pass catching back? Do I need to get you another guy that has speed?" Um, because there was a lot of talk about when James Cook was drafted that he didn't have great vision and he wasn't a back. He was more of a guy that can kind of do it all, but he was listed as a running back. No, James Cook is actually a really good running back. He, he's not a three down back. But he's a guy that can get you the yards that you need. Um, he's, I think, a more suitable back for this offense than Zach Moss is. I think he can give you a lot of the stuff that Zach Moss can. He can't be that thumper, you know, third and first and second, first and second, third and fourth down in, in goal. You're trying to just get, you know, an inch or something. Um, mm-hmm. But I definitely think he brings an extra dimension. Um, and I'm sure everybody's gone back and watched his highlight film from college at, in Georgia. The thing about that impressed me the most was that he played against big time schools you know we talk about khalil shakir but he was he wasn't in a huge conference we're talking about the sdc he played uh he played against all the big boys and he played well against all some top five top ten defenses and made some outstanding defenses look foolish so i think all that has to be taken into account he's a rookie um they worked zach moss in right away when he was a rookie so we don't know if McDermott's going to give him that treatment, but they also, I feel like they're still tied to Zach Moss. I feel like they still have, you know, okay, you had fumble issues, you had injury issues, you were a rookie, now you're not. Like, I think they're still kind of loyal to a fault to Zach Moss to try to see if they can get him involved and get some kind of return on investment in their draft pick. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But I don't know. I'm hoping that RB1 and 2 on game day is Singletary and Moss. You can put them RB1, RB2, however you want, because I think they can both be exceptional in this offense. Gives Josh more outlets, um, which we saw last year and 2020. He's taking those, the gimmies. So I think it will just be nothing but a positive for the offense. I like it. I like it. I couldn't agree more. And Lone Wolf agrees. Screen game with Cook. Yes. Yeah, he's got he's got wheels, man. Like he he can take it to the house from anywhere on the field, and that's something we don't have with Motor. I don't think we obviously we obviously don't have that with with Moss and, and Duke Johnson. He's somewhat of a, ca- a pass catching back. He's an upgrade from Zach Moss, but I don't think he's that guy at this point in his career that can take it to the house from anywhere on the field. And I think that Duke Johnson was a compensation of some sorts for the the fallout of JD McKissick. Um, and I think that we Bean was trying to recover from that before, obviously before the draft happened. He was, and he knew he was going to be able to grab James Cook. So, but who knows? I mean, Duke might come in and be that third roster spot that's just inactive on game days. Maybe he's active sometimes, um, like Akeem alluded to earlier. Are we going to have two? Or are we going to have three? Because for four years it's been two, two on on game day. Every every now and then we'll have a third active. So we'll see. But mm-hmm. all right, moving on, because um, we're getting we're up at an hour and 15 minutes here. So I don't want to lose anybody. Um, Dawson Knox. Um, and we'll kind of keep these going a little bit. You know, we'll spend a little bit less time on all of these guys. Um, mm-hmm. Akeem, I know where you stood on Dawson Knox after, even after 2020. Um, mm-hmm. Where do you stand? I mean, I know where you stand, but let everybody know where you stand now on Dawson Knox after what, how he performed in 2021. Uh, Dawson Knox for his standards last year, as you know based on especially how we seen him perform the first two years he had an unbelievable season last year in my opinion 49 receptions 587 yards nine touchdowns he progressed immensely you know turning the corner being being more of a reliable target for josh allen turning into kind of that security blanket a tight end is supposed to be for their quarterback right so i think uh, Dawson Knox proved that uh, he can indeed play in this NFL and play at a high level. Uh, this year, I think uh, how he fits into this offense is he has to continue to to progress in all facets of the game, right? He has to continue to, to uh, get better as a blocker so he can open up holes in the run game. He has to continue to catch the ball with consistency. And I think uh, that is something that, uh, he's done well over the course of his career. His rookie season, his drop rate was at a 20% his rookie year. His second year was at 9%. In his third year, uh, last year, his drop rate was at 5.1% and only four drops on the year. So that's what we want to see from Dawson Knox. We want to see steady improvement from him. We want to know that last year was not a fluke for Dawson Knox. And in this year, a contract year, it's a it's a great opportunity for him. So uh, we're going to see what he presents, but he's definitely a mismatch nightmare at the tight end position. And I'm excited to see how Ken Dorsey use, utilizes him. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree everything that you said, and I, 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 I would be happy if they extended him anytime they wanted. Um, I'm okay with giving Dawson Knox a, a tight end contract to be here for three, four more years. I think. Um, you know, I'm out here in California, so I get a lot of the Bay Area stuff. And I, I watch it. George George Kittle has a podcast that I watch, um, and he was absolutely just in love with 
Dawson Knox work ethic, and he said he's going to surprise some people. Last year was not just a one-off. He said this guy's got the the pools, and this is coming from George Cato. I think he's the top three tight end in the NFL. Healthy, he's he's a nightmare go to go. Um, to me though, it, it's all about target shares, right? We got to talk about target shares for first mm-hmm. because we got Diggs, we got Davis. We want to obviously see increase in targets to Davis. I think we're good with, and Josh is good with how many times he can get, you know, digs the ball. Um, but we got to talk about target share. They got all these other guys. Um, you got another tight end, OG Howard. You want to see what he's able to do in in the red zone. Um, you got Jameson Crowder, you got Isaiah McKenzie, you got Khalil Shakir, you got running backs we're talking about doing all these cool things with, you know, screen passes and wheel routes and all this stuff. But if you increase Dawson Knox's targets, that means you're taking that away from somewhere else. And that's why I led with I'm okay with paying Dawson Knox because I think that consistently year after year he's shown the the determination to to better his craft and his skill set. We all know that he didn't get hardly any targets when he was at Old Miss playing on that stacked offensive roster with all the wide receivers. He was a quarterback in high school. So he's still he's still learning the position and he last year I don't think was a fluke at all. I think that the Bills absolutely game planned certain times to use Dawson Knox. Now, the only caveat to that is that now more defenses are aware of Dawson Knox, just like they're aware of Gabe Davis, right? So there mm-hmm. might be times last year where defenses weren't as tight covered on Dawson Knox where they might be this year. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the big plays he had against the Chiefs in the first game, just wide mm-hmm. ass open, you know, just mm-hmm. wide ass open a couple times. I don't think you're going to get that this year. Now that could mm-hmm. be based on how the play was run how the scheme was drawn up to make it you know, like he was blocking to start the scheme, whatever it is. Um, I just, I'm confident in Dawson Knox. I think that he will probably be the third highest target player on this. So let me know what you guys think in the comments. If you agree with me and Akeem, um, if mm-hmm. you think that we're crazy, if you have another take on it, um, let's see. I like it here. I like it. Want to see more angry. Want to see more angry runs from Knox. I like that. Uh, 100 stack 100. What's up, everyone? Thanks for joining, 100 in, man. Stack. 100 stack. Um, yes. So a lot of the comments are leading into players, which we're going to talk about. So I'm I'm not ignoring the comments, guys, but we're going to touch on what you guys are talking about in the comments. And so mm-hmm. coming up, the face of the franchise, a little dirty, Isaiah McKenzie. Um, and we should probably speed up our takes on these a little bit if, if you want to, because we're getting long in the, and I'm, I'm mm-hmm. starting to lose my voice a little bit here. So mm-hmm. you're good, you're what good. are your expectations? What do you, what's your thought process on him? Uh, Isaiah McKenzie, uh, last year, 20 receptions, 178 yards, one TD. I believe his career high in five, six years in the league is about 230 yards receiving. I think this is the year he eclipses that those numbers. I think this is the year Isaiah McKenzie has a has a career year as a receiver. I think he's more than capable of of being more than a gadget player in this NFL. I think he could be a bona fide slot receiver, and he has every opportunity to do so this season. Uh, I always said I take it as far as taking him off special teams altogether, take him off kick return, take him off punt return, let him focus on 
being a focal point in the Buffalo Bills offense. Why? Because he's something like a Devin Singletary. Devin Singletary, he probably doesn't run the ball 25 times a game, but when he gets an opportunity uh, to run the ball, he is efficient with his runs. He do, does well with the football in his hands. And I think uh, the same could be said about Isaiah McKenzie. When he gets an opportunity to play uh, significantly, significantly at the wide receiver position, he does nothing but produce. And I think this is the season he plays more than uh, 24% of his snaps like he did last season. I think he doubles that uh, doubles that snap percentage next season into at least 48% of the of the offensive snaps for the Buffalo Bills. He gives uh, Josh Allen uh, a deep threat. He gives the Buffalo Bills explosiveness, and uh, that is a, a, a added dimension the Buffalo Bills can have consistently on the offensive side of the ball with Isaiah McKenzie as the starter in the slot. Yeah. Um, and, and uh, we're coming asked. Um, we have to remember, uh, Cole Beasley's gone, and we brought in Jamison Crowder. And everybody knows how I feel about Jamison Crowder. I'm high on Jamison Crowder. Um, now, can he stay healthy? Number one, and I feel comfortable with knowing that we have Isaiah McKenzie being able to play. He can beat you over the top. I firmly believe that he can beat you over. That he he can play the slot. He can do the, the the running stuff. You know the jet screens and the bubble screens and stuff like that. I feel like you're a hundred percent spot on with the fact that if if the Bills just want to get him involved, they will, and it's effective. You look at the you look at the New England game. You know maybe it was because people weren't ready. They 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 didn't you know research film on Isaiah McKenzie. So that's why he game, but there was games when he was blanketed and he was making reception um, and it wasn't just key tack three and five yard stuff. He was making some big plays for that. And he helped the bills offense like astronomically in that game. If you remember that's when Davis was injured. Beasley, I believe was injured. Um, mm-hmm. And it was just him and Diggs and Knox. So um, I agree. I think if the bills can find a way to get him consistent, Similarly said with Moer, I think he can be an extreme to highlight on is Allen. I think this is like we kind of spoke a little bit. It's the target because remember we lost Neil Sanders. No effective James. Breaking up a little bit, DM3. Breaking up a little bit there. That's good. All right, I hear you a little bit now. So we got James. We good? I hear you now. There you go. There you go. Okay. I don't know. It's a crazy Wi-Fi. Um, Jason Crowder. I pulled him up there. You, you go ahead, yes, Akeem. I don't know if I'm good. If you guys can hear me, let me know. I got you. Got you. Uh, Jamison okay. Crowder. Jamison Crowder is uh, I. 
So he's another slot receiver. Uh, uh, of course, he could play some outside as well. He has uh, he has some versatility value, play inside, outside, uh, better suited in the slot. Uh, I think Jamison Crowder, he wasn't on my radar initially, but I think he was a, a, a pretty good find. I think that Jamison Crowder is, when healthy and above average receiver, I think he adds a different dimension than Isaiah McKenzie. I think he's explosive with the ball in his hands. I think he's shifty with the ball in his hands. And he 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 brings some physicality with the ball in his hands to Jameson Crowder as opposed to Isaiah McKenzie. He's not going to go down on the initial contact. So I think uh, those added dimensions that, that uh, the Buffalo Bills didn't have last year in the past, I don't think that dimension, a dimension that Crowder brings, I don't think Isaiah McKenzie has that. I don't think Cole Beasley had that last year. So I think... When you can add a different dimension to an offense, is it's definitely uh, uh, better overall for that offense and more of a headache for that defense, for the opposition overall. But uh, the main question here is, can Jameson Crowder stay healthy? I think that is that is the key to, to this entire signing. We brought him over to, to, to upgrade and help Josh Allen and help our offense, but can he stay healthy? And um, that's the concern with uh, with Jamison Crowder right now. Was I had posted a bunch of Jamison clips, do back and things talking about how I was bashing Cole Beasley. I'm not bashing Cole Beasley, and I've said this before. I've I've supported Cole Beasley, and I ignored all the other stuff that was going on with Cole Beasley. But I, as a player, I supported what he was for Josh Allen when he came over in 2019. Um, he was that guy that was a veteran presence that was always going to get open. Um, one of the top top five slot route runners in the NFL by far. And mm-hmm. I just think Crowder's younger. Yes, he's a little banged up. But if you look at the interceptions, the touchdowns, it's at a point where he's coming over that was Beasley. Better. I just think that it's a nice to have, right? I think Crowder, if he stays healthy, can be extremely productive in that guy. So, finger feel this week when when training campers because they're off, um, and he can get healthy and he can get some sit. We'll do what we got with him. We're, so, we'll keep so quick, so moving. so quick. So quick question. We're going to keep it moving. But while we keep it moving, I want, I want everybody to answer this question in the comment section. Uh, when both players are healthy, who would you rather be the slot, starting slot receiver, Isaiah McKenzie or Jamison Crowder? Isaiah McKenzie or Crowder? Who would you rather start with both healthy? Uh, we'll get some comments in there. While we're doing that, let's move on, uh, DM3. Yeah, and then we could pull, we'll pull up and we'll kind of see who, who you guys think. Um, shout out. I, I'm seeing a lot of new viewers tonight, so shout out to you guys. Um renaissance man i know that we follow each other on twitter um shout out you man for coming and watching the show um i've seen a bunch of other people i can't zip in with who think dm3 think dm3 connection a little choppy but shout out but shout out renaissance man as he was saying uh let's let's let me get some more comments in here dm3 come back when when ready the mets fan penny hey we won four, i think we won four nil today penny i think one four nil over the marlins uh, uh penny says mckenzie lone wolf says crowder 
uh justin says little dirty kim says kim says crowder so there's there's definitely there's definitely some mixed reviews here there's definitely a definitely a a, a split thus far between who would you rather between jameson crowder and, and isaiah mckenzie so um while we wait for dm3 to come back let's go ahead Let's go ahead and move on. Let's get the other offensive weapon in here. Let's see who we got. Who is the next guy on the list? So let's go ahead and we did. We just did Jamison Crowder. Let's go ahead and go Gabriel Davis, right? What does Gabriel Davis bring to the table for the Buffalo Bills? I think we all know. Um, in my opinion, I think Gabriel Davis is the second best weapon on the Buffalo Bills behind Stefan Diggs. Can y'all agree or disagree? Can y'all agree with me with that or do y'all disagree? Gabriel Davis is the second best weapon behind Stefan Diggs. Uh, I want to know your thoughts, agree or disagree with that. I think Gabriel Davis is uh, a number two wide receiver that that is talented enough to be considered or be called a number one wide receiver. I think he has number one wide receiver talent in him. And I think if he stays healthy, he's been battling an ankle a couple of years ago, earlier last year, he was battling an ankle. I think that's a lot of reason why possibly he didn't get as much playing time along with the additional Emmanuel Sanders. But I think a healthy Gabriel Davis at 6'3", 225 pounds. I believe his trainer said he's been working on uh, building muscle this offseason, I think Gabriel, Gabriel Davis can have uh, a big receiving, a big, uh, a, a big season for the Buffalo Bills as a as a as a receiver that can do a little bit of everything. Uh, I think he's graceful with his feet, toe tap swag, toe drag swag. Uh, I think he's very good at. I think he's good in the intermediate game. I think he's has sneaky sneaky speed where he can get on top of defenses quickly if you. If you're not prepared for it and beat you deep, uh, I think Gabriel Davis is uh, uh, and has every opportunity to become a, a complete football player uh, in this NFL. And I'm going to take it a step further. I believe both Gabriel Davis and Stefan Diggs can get a thousand yards receiving a piece. And uh, that's that's what I'm waiting for now for the Buffalo Bills offense. The Bills offense, they've been scoring 30-plus points a game for the, for the last couple of seasons. We know that they're potent. We know that they have explosiveness. Now it's time for the individuals to step up more, and I think both Gabriel Davis and Stephon Diggs will have 1,000 yards receiving. That's my hot take. Is DM3 back? You back, DM3? DM3 is not back, and that is okay. I want to get everyone's thoughts on a Gabriel Davis. How do you how does everyone feel about Gabriel Davis? Do you think Gabriel Davis can indeed take that next step? Do you think Gabriel Davis can be that guy to um to to be a another another big big weapon for Josh Allen? Get some thoughts. Dan, what's going on? But Gabe Davis is a good weapon as well. He can block in the slot to help in the run game. Good, ha good hands, good field awareness, good number two receiver. Um, I think that's an excellent comment. I think he is a good number two receiver. Uh, he's going to get every chance and every opportunity to do to prove that this uh, this upcoming season, right? Gabriel Davis. There's no Emmanuel Sanders signings. There's nobody 
uh, signed to take his place or to, to battle with his position. He's going to get every opportunity to become the 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 number two wide receiver for the Buffalo Bills. Um, Justin says, great blocker, actually. Yes, I think Gabriel Davis, he does have he does have uh, uh, some tenacity to him. I think he's a, a very capable blocker and it's good that he's a capable blocker at his size, 6'2", 6'2", and a half, 6'2", and a quarter, about 220, 25 pounds. I think uh, that is the size where you want to bring some physicality to your wide receiver position. So, yes, excellent comment. Um, any more comments before we move on from Robert Woods? I know my I know my banner is not up properly, but uh, DM3 he had some uh, had some um, some internet connection issues, and I'm pretty sure he he's sorry. He apologizes, and he'll be back next week for sure if he doesn't come back for the rest of the night tonight. Um, I'm going to go ahead and, and move on to the next guy, the next weapon, and that is the man Stefan Diggs, right? Now, all Stephon Diggs have to do is, is continue being Stephon Diggs, continue to be that 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 alpha presence, that alpha dog, that alpha dog, number one, number one wide receiver. He's been the last two years in Buffalo in the last, in my opinion, few seasons with the Buffalo Bills and the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Stephon Diggs is, in my opinion, a top five wide receiver in this NFL and if we want to see anything from him, if I would want to see anything from him, I would want to see him take over, like completely take over a game, right? Uh, I think that that is something that possibly, possibly Buffalo Bills fans would want to see from Stephon Diggs, take over a game, uh, kind of like a Tyreek Hill take over games, kind of like how other receivers take over games. I, I think Stephon Diggs does get his targets, but I think at times – he, he was a little quiet last season, and I think that was the reason why he didn't have as much receptions and as much yards as he did to season prior, even though he had an exceptional season. So Stephon Diggs just has to continue to be that, that bona fide number one wide receiver he's been ever since he's came to, to one Bills drive. So um, thoughts on Stephon Diggs? Uh, I think um, – Ken Dorsey will 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 utilize him in the offense uh, uh, rather well. I think he is the go-to guy. I think Stephon Diggs, uh, Ken Dorsey, Josh Allen will all get on the same page with this Ken Dorsey-led offense uh, sooner rather than later. Later. Um, and there go DM three says, "Sorry guys, power went out at the house. It's okay." DM three is definitely okay. Once again, you're you're watching Billsology DM three. Um, a rich Akeem Richens. If you don't know us by now, please get to know us. DM3 has some technical difficulties. It will be okay. He will definitely be back next week. Uh, he's definitely G, uh, uh, JC Jackson's daddy, though. Definitely, definitely JC Jackson's daddy. He's uh, he's a lot of DB's daddy ever since he's come to the Buffalo Bills. Right? He's had an exceptional last couple of seasons, and we want Stephon Diggs to continue to be uh, that great receiver he's been for the Buffalo Bills the last several seasons. Um, more comments in here. Justin's back. Uh, he will love more opportunities. He will have more opportunities this year, I believe. We'll definitely see what happens. We'll definitely see how Ken, Ken Dorsey constructs this offense. Um, want to get into the last guy before I get out of here. Uh, and the last guy is obvious, right? Joshua Patrick Allen. Um, Josh Allen, 
the way he can improve is is being consistent throughout the year, right? I think that is something that he wants to do as an individual. I think that's an individual goal for himself. Uh, of course, you want to get the verbiage down with your new offensive coordinator, the language, the communication, what he likes, what he doesn't like. Um, I think y'all want to get that down and get that that situated between coaching and player. But other than that, I think Josh Allen has to continue to be that guy he's been the last couple of seasons, right? Continue to show that that progression, continue to show that you are that guy that that uh, uh, can get this job done. You continue to show that you are that guy that uh, can indeed take the Buffalo Bills to the next level. Over 4,000 yards passed in the last couple of seasons. And if there's a way that he can improve, Right. If there's a way Josh Allen can improve, uh, I think there are are a couple of 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 ways Josh can improve. Right. One way he can improve is by going to the check down. Josh Allen, in my opinion, uh, could check the could check the uh, ball down a little bit more. I believe he is uh fifth the fifth least quarterback in terms of checkdowns he checks the ball down the fifth least in the nfl he checks the ball down josh allen at, at 4.9 percent so josh allen as successful as he, as he is as good as the buffalo bills offense is they can check the ball down a little bit more and i think if the bills do check the ball down more josh allen does check the ball down more i, I believe it'll be beneficial to him as an individual statistically and i be I, I believe it'll be beneficial for the buffalo bills uh as a team to keep the offense going sometimes you don't have to have the big play and try to get everything back in one shot sometimes it's okay to get two three four yards and 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 set up the next offensive play so if josh allen can do that utilize the check down more than 4.6 percent of the time this season i believe uh, he will be better as an individual, and I believe the Buffalo Bills offense will be better uh, as a team. And and last but not least, of course, Ken Dorsey. Ken Dorsey can help Josh Allen and call more screen passes. Lone Wolf alluded to it earlier. Uh, the Buffalo Bills, they don't call enough screens. They don't call enough short plays. Everybody wants to get mad at the Buffalo Bills' offensive yak production, Right. Every minute, every minute you've been seeing throughout the offseason that the Buffalo Bills are lasting yak yardage, lasting yak yardage. And that's something that uh, has to improve. And while I do want to improve that, I don't want to get away from the offense as a whole. I don't want to get away with we'll get away from everything that worked for the Buffalo Bills offense. Cause at the end of the day, the Buffalo Bills was still a top five offense in the NFL. At the end of the day, the Buffalo Bills still scored 30 points per game last year in the NFL. So uh, to improve the yak yardage, Josh Allen needs to check the ball down more and Ken Dorsey needs to devise more screen passes and short opportunities to get the ball in the playmakers hands so they can make plays. If those combinations can happen, I believe the Buffalo Bills as a team will be more productive in terms of yak yardage. So uh, that's what I have about about Josh Allen and how he can improve and how the Buffalo Bills offense can improve as a whole. So um, any more comments?
once again, we ap- apologize for the technical difficulties with Dave Myers. I came, uh, he has some, some internet connection issues. So I'm here taking over the rest of the show. Um, let's get into some comments about Josh Allen. Justin says he does a good job at it already, but continue to stay humble. Dan says, as long as the offensive line isn't a hot mess, he's the best in the world. Most definitely. Most definitely. Uh, Penny says, do you think we will run as much this season? Uh, I think it's possible, right? Uh, I think right now it's too early to tell because you don't know what you have in Ken Dorsey, right? We don't know what type of play caller he is. This is his first time as an offensive coordinator. We know that he's been here and he gives us the, some stability, but now he's the man in charge. So I think we do have to wait and see. Uh, based on um, camp thus far and based on some personnel groupings that he's had out there, it's possible that the Buffalo Bills can run the ball uh, uh, as much this season. But at the end of the day, it's a passing league. What I want personally is – uh, to be efficient, to be efficient with your opportunities. As long as the Buffalo Bills are efficient when they are running the ball, as long as they have positive yardage when they are running the ball, I think we'll be fine. Um, Yo, Richard, have a good night. Have a good night, Richard. Have a good night. Um, Any more comments before I get out of here? Any more comments? Once again, A. Rich, Akeem Richens. DM3, this is indeed Billsology, only on the Bills and Buffalo Network. Uh, if I don't have any more questions, uh, I appreciate everybody for tuning in tonight. We appreciate everybody for tuning in tonight. This is a Billsology. Once again, shout out my brother DM3. Uh, we're going to have better internet connection next week, and everything will be much more flowing and smooth next week. But we appreciate all the comments we got in the comment section. It was a great show, uh, entertaining show. We connected back and forth. We we appreciate all the all the conversation. Uh, we appreciate all the new audience as well. Pokemon Professor, what's going on, man? I appreciate you for tuning in. Uh, Devon Rose, I appreciate you for tuning in. Justin, Daniel Garries, as always. Justin, we appreciate everybody for tuning in. Catch the show next week, same time, same place, only on the Built in Buffalo channel. Once again, A. Rich, Akeem Richens, DM3, Bills Ology, and last but not least, ladies and gentlemen, go Bills.